Hello and welcome to the Racing with Robin Roller podcast. I'm Josh Roller, back from Atlanta Motor Speedway and comfortably sitting in my recliner. It feels very, very comfortable compared to the heat uh, there in the hot land of this weekend. On the other side of this podcast, also sitting comfortably in his domicile, is Rob Peters in Indianapolis, right behind a desk. Are you sat- what kind of chair are you sitting in there, Rob? I'm sitting in a recliner. What kind of chair are you sitting in? It is a standard office chair. Um, it swivels. I, I know that. It doesn't really do much else except sometimes hurt my back and, I don't know, give me support sometimes. Sometimes I put a pillow behind it. Uh, do, 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 does it have cup holders? It does not. It does that, not have cup holders. That's disappointing. Okay, well, we'll have to work on that. I know, my, yeah, we got to get the cup holders here going here. We have a lot of fun and interesting uh, news points to hit. Uh, to start the show early here, a little bit of IndyCar news, despite not having a race this weekend. Uh, the 2024 Formula One provisional calendar dropped. Uh, we'll talk about that. A couple different points throughout the show. Marco Andretti, full-time NASCAR. Does anyone like to sign to that? Uh, plus, is Total Wolf off his rocker? Uh, after the most recent claim related to the possibility of more teams being added to Formula One. And is Daniel Ricciardo going to be back in F1 before the season's out? And plus, we'll talk about, again, NASCAR in Atlanta, mid-Ohio. So let's get started. Rob, take it away with Rob's Racing Report. Yes, hello everyone. Let's talk about the news from my comfortable desk. That is sometimes comfortable, sometimes not, depending on how I am sitting. It's a good idea to practice good posture, everybody, because I do not. I do not. Let's talk about some Formula One news. Because uh, Alpine has named Bruno Famine... I believe I'm pronouncing that right, as the new VP of Alpine Motorsports, uh, while Alpine's team principal, Otmar, Otmar Buffnauer, will report to, instead of Laurent Rossi, Laurent Rossi, sorry, all these French names, dude, I took Spanish in high school, uh, Laurent Rossi, who has been critical of Alpine's performance, uh, so that's some shakeups in Alpine, and obviously it didn't help them this weekend, if you're familiar with where they finished this weekend in the British Grand Prix, not pretty, not, not pretty. pretty. Uh, let's talk about the, uh, Formula One calendar. We'll talk about this a little bit more, uh, on, later on in the show. That'll be coming up next, uh, later on. Uh, but Formula One has announced their prefor- provisional 2024 calendar. Uh, the Chinese Grand Prix is, fingers crossed, scheduled to return April 21st. Uh, and then Bahrain and Saudi Arabia will open the season again as Saturday night races, though, on March 2nd and March 9th. Uh, Japan is moving to April, which is interesting. Uh, It will become the fourth race of the season alongside Australia and China. So I guess they're just getting all of the races over there on that side of the world out of the way. Um, And then they're going to move Montreal. They didn't move Montreal uh, to May alongside Miami. So Montreal is going to stay in its traditional slot, which honestly I'm happy about because I'm a stickler about you know, races having a traditional day. I don't know. I don't know why I'm like that. That's just how I am. Anyway, uh, Azerbaijan will move to September, uh, and then uh, we'll have uh, all of the uh, bundled North and South American races. So we'll go Coda, Mexico, Brazil, Las Vegas, all at once. Boom, 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 boom. Uh, So we'll talk about that later on in the show. Definitely it'll be an upshift, downshift question. So uh, stay tuned for that or skip ahead. I don't care what you do. 
Um, let's talk about some Supercars news now, because the Supercars Championship has implemented new technical changes for the Ford Mustangs to address parity issues. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago, uh, how the Supercars Championship was looking into potential changes to address the parity issues, because again, Chevrolet had basically won all but one race prior to this weekend. Uh, now, these changes included a revised rear wing and a larger boot spoiler, and they made their debut this past weekend at Townsville. Again, we'll talk about this, actually, a little bit later in the show as well. Now, let's talk about some IndyCar news. David Malukas looks set to leave Dale Coyne Racing next year. The Chicago native told Racer that while he's enjoyed his time at DCR, he's currently looking elsewhere and hopes to have an announcement in the next month. Uh... Compounding to that, uh, Malukas' sponsor, HMD Motorsports, will focus only on Indy NXT in 2024 while still having an eye on adding an IndyCar entry. So they're only focusing on Indy NXT. It doesn't look like they're going to be fully like going on in on that partnership, obviously, with Dale Coyne Racing, which means David Malukas is looking elsewhere. It's kind of unclear right now whether or not that HMD sponsorship will at least go with him. Because we know it's not going to be an actual technical partnership along with side HMD Motorsports team. I would think that the sponsorship would follow him, but, you know, we'll have to see where he ends up going. Maybe he ends up not needing sponsorship anyway. Who knows? Um, anyway, and, and because of that, this is, this is actually all kind of a great way to s segue into this next piece, which is a big story. And this was uh, reported by... Uh, both Racer and I believe Nathan Brown had something on it as well. But uh, as Devlin DeFrancesco, he's nearing uh, the end of his contract with Andretti Autosport. Uh, the, he's not only going to have to look for a new spot next year, a new team, uh, because this new partnership for Andretti between Gainbridge and Andretti Global Capital will likely mean an end to its need for a fund driver so the number 29 entry has essentially been taken by a fully funded driver the last couple of years and uh because of this new partnership they won't need that anymore they're gonna be able to hire whoever they want for the 29 car and so they don't need devlin anymore who's that gonna be um current rumors uh for the new number of the 29 so far seem to be interesting enough marcus erickson who's I think we've mentioned is not happy with the fact that he has to still bring funding to Ganassi. So I think Ericsson being able to, you know, this makes perfect sense. Um, obviously, we don't know anything yet. This is just what Racer has reported the rumor is. So again, take it with fully a grain of salt. Do not take this as, as fact by any means. But what Racer is essentially saying is that it would make sense because Marcus Ericsson is... Again, doesn't like that Chip Ganassi is making him continue to be, bring sponsorship when he's like, look, I've won an Indy 500. I've won multiple races. I've been championship contention. Why are you still treating me like a pay driver when I'm not one? I've proven my worth, you know? So he might be looking at Andretti for this. Um, and then, of course, David Malukas. He is also being considered for this because, again, you know, if he doesn't need funding, then he doesn't need it. If he could just get this car, this ride on pure merit, then that's great. You know, that's the thing about Malukas is that, yes, he's had this funding, but it's not like he needs it. You know, he could get a ride on merit, and I'm sure his dad would like to be able to not have to pay for the sponsorship for that car and be able to 
put more of that money probably into the Indian NXT team, which he seems very passionate about. Um, so that's a that's a thing. Uh, and then Racer also reports, and this is more shakeups to the Andretti squad. I think the only thing right now we know that's going to happen with Andretti next season is that Colton Herta and Kyle Kirkwood are coming back. Uh, everything else right now is up in the air because Andretti is reportedly, according to Racer, taking a, quote, wait-and-see approach with Roman Grosjean as he is also in the final year of his contract. So I, I know that the Racer article here, it's stated that Andretti does want Grosjean back, but right now they're not quite ready to commit to anything. They're not quite ready to make him an offer on the contract negotiations because of all of the moving parts that are going around within IndyCar Silly season. Which the devil and DeFrancesco is like at the, but Roman Grosjean really? I mean, the guy is just a step or two away from actually finishing a race, or like, hey, give me something that won't fail, kind yeah. of deal, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's that's what Racer was reporting. So, I mean, it, but it doesn't surprise me too because you know a lot of it is not to say that Grosjean has had bad performance. But I don't think necessarily that he's met or at the very least exceeded the expectations that were kind of set for him when he came over. Right. I think, you know, we expected him to, you know, be on the podium more, qualifying a little bit better. And okay, let's wrap that up against the rest of the Andretti squad. Has that's he, true. Has he performed worse than the other Andrettis? Well, they've all kind of had their up, ups and downs. I mean, to average out all of the Andretti's is kind of hard. So that's why I think that wait-and-see approach is what they're taking. You know, if they if they go back and look at some of the data and, and decide, hey, you know, I think Grosjean, comparatively to how the average was for the rest of our cars, he's actually right on par. So maybe yeah. they'll decide, oh, okay, no, he's actually fine. And I would argue he's no. contention to win more races the past two years than than the others. Yes. Yes, I would agree with that. But hey, hey, man, uh, Herta and Kirkwood still looking good. Herta just needs to figure out how to finish a race, how to finish a race cleanly. Um, Kirkwood just flat needs to have better luck. Um, yeah, it, it's going to be interesting. Um, but that's not all the IndyCar news that's going on right now. Uh, because, hey, because uh, coming up, coming up uh, is going to be the, Toron the Honda Indy Toronto. And we, uh, Racer is now also reporting that uh, they are close to a deal with IndyCar to extend their contract for, quote, years to come. So we'll be interested to see what comes of that. And then the final IndyCar news story here is more Silly Season-related news. Can't fin I mean, it, the whole thing is Silly Season, basically, except for this Toronto Grand Prix thing, this, yeah. this Honda Indy Toronto. But uh, Marcus Armstrong, you know, he's running the road and street courses in the 11 for Chip Ganassi Racing. He's eyeing a full-time ride in IndyCar for 2024. The 22-year-old told Racer that it is no secret that he wants to race ovals, and he is reportedly set for a postseason oval test later this year. But where he will race remains the big question. Again, what's that Ganassi squad going to look like next year? I'm pretty sure the only thing we know for certain is that Dixon is going to be driving the nine. No, that's I mean, they, they literally could be looking at new replacements for the eight and the ten. Yep. Yeah. Now, and, and, and even then, if Marcus Armstrong gets an, a deal elsewhere, you know, because he, he, he could. He's impressed a lot of people already. 
hey man, he th- then what does Chip do? Mm-hmm. Then what does Chip do? Now he's got to figure out what to do with the eleven card. Do you shut that down and you know close all those jobs or merge them with something else or what do you do? Yeah. So it's, a, it's a, it, a lot of these dominoes. I think from what I've understood, ba- both Nathan Brown and Racer Marshall Pruitt, they've all basically reported uh, that by the end of we should be hearing more and more of having more and more of these dominoes fall as we get closer to the month of August. Uh, the closer, closer we get to the month of August, that's when I think we're going to start hearing more of these dominoes start to fall. And it's really just, there's like one or two dominoes that need to fall and then everything will just fall into place. Like we need to know where Pelot's going next season. And we need to know where Erickson is going next season. And once we know where those two drivers are going to drive next year, everything else is going to just start falling into place. We're approaching the the one year anniversary of that Pelot drama. That we are. That we are. Fun, fun times. Fun times. All right, let's talk about some NASCAR news because we do have some decent amount of NASCAR news, and this is interesting. Uh, late Monday night, Bob Pockris reported that the NASCAR industry personnel have been told to, quote, get their passports ready to race in Canada as early as next year. So it's coming, guys. There's been rumors that a potential return to the Circuit Gilles Villeneuve in Montreal, Canada are possible. We could be seeing a return to the Quebec racetrack, which would be huge for a lot of people. A lot of people, a lot of, especially Justin Allgaier was quoted as saying he was all for it in this Bob Pockers article at FoxSports.com. Um, very interesting to see. We'll have to see where that comes because NASCAR, I know, is getting close to finalizing some things with the 2024 schedule. Uh, we'll probably find out you know, what's going to happen with the Chicago street race? You know, it was a good event. We talked about this last week. It was a good event. Will it be back for 2024? I hope so. I'd like to get a chance to see it at least once before it ends up going away. If it ends up going away, you know, we'll see. We'll see. Um, more on this later in the show. We've got a suspension in the ARCA series. Sean Hignorani uh, has been suspended by ARCA for the next Arkham Menard Series race and the next Arkham Menard Series East race following an on-track incident with teammate Dan Dean Thompson this past weekend at Mid-Ohio. So we'll talk about that later on in the show. If you haven't seen this incident yet, before you, we get, you get to the upshift-downshift, please take a moment to, at the very least, look at this video because it is ridiculous. And, and, and at least familiarize yourself with context because, again, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. Um, Hey, uh, this is not IndyCar related, but it it's it could be. I don't know. Marco Andretti made his NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series debut this past weekend, uh, finishing. Is that right? Seventh? Nineteenth. Nineteenth. Okay, I didn't think that was right. I I thought he finished just barely inside the top twenty. You're right. Finishing nineteenth for Spire Motorsports. He was driving the Spire number seven truck, which I I think you meant to type here, Josh. Um. Spire Motorsports also announced during that same time a new multi-year sponsorship with Gainbridge. So much so that not only was Gainbridge on Marco Andretti's truck for Mid-Ohio, but then Gainbridge was also on Corey LaJoy's car at Atlanta. Yes. And like Corey LaJoy said over in Atlanta, they're on the either – 
the seven or the 77 for almost every race the remaining of the year in yep. multiple races, like for several years to come. Like, it's crazy. It's a big deal. Uh, furthermore to that, and, and Josh, I didn't add this to the, to the news, but it was actually, I, this was another thing that I forgot. Jo- Josh, we had to record a little earlier than normal this week, this week, and I just got home from work, and it took me a while to get caught up on everything that was going on this week. But uh, Jordan Bianchi of The Athletic has reported that Corey LaJoy and Spire Motorsports are close to announcing a contract extension. I, I believe it's multi-year. I don't know how long that would be. Um, but that is what Jordan Bianchi has reported uh, this on, on Monday. And then uh, to continue with this, Gainbridge deal, you know, Andretti has said he is not ruling out a full-time move to NASCAR, Marco Andretti. So Marco Andretti is considering this. And this, interestingly enough, on the heels of, I believe it was last week or a couple of weeks ago, that, that we talked about Andretti Autosport saying, hey, yeah, we're probably going to go NASCAR racing sooner rather than later. Yeah. You know, originally they were going to wait until the F1 entry got approved. And now, since that seems to be perpetually up in the air, we'll talk about that later, uh, they're just going to move on and try and start up that NASCAR squad. Yeah. So, very interesting. And and because of this, there's been a lot of rumors. Again, none of this is for certain. All of this is speculation. Take it with a grain of salt. But the the hot rumor is... Andretti, Spire, some kind of partnership, if merger, if not outright buyout. Again, pure speculation. Take that with a grain of salt. Don't even, don't even think too much into it, but that is the hot rumor. Uh, more NASCAR news. Bush Beer is expected to announce their 2024 sponsorship of Ross Chastain uh, later this week. Most likely, by the time this episode, this podcast is released, the announcement will have been made. That's pretty much what we know right now. But hey, Ross the boss is getting in that getting that Bush Beer sponsorship. So uh Frankie Muniz admitted to Forbes that he is interested in running NASCAR trucks or Xfinity full time. Now this would be great, except that Muniz also told Front Stretch this weekend that he is unsure if he will be able to race the next ARCA race at Iowa. He does, however, have funding locked in for Pocono. Uh he actually sponsored himself. This past weekend at Mid Ohio, it was Muniz Racing was on the hood of his car. Uh, so I, I, I'm glad that Frankie is considering a, a jump up to NASCAR and Xfinity. I just hope that he's able to find the sponsorship for it because I was hate I would hate to see him fall out of the ARCA championship hunt because he's not able to run. Yeah, Iowa. I uh, I was kind of surprised something else hasn't jumped in on him, and I don't know what it. Do you have any idea what the number is for an ARCA race? I I know it's way more than. Yeah, I mean you're burning money going ARCA racing every week. Oh right, I mean it, yeah, it's definitely it's it's the worst pain of it. But I just didn't know like if you had any idea. Like, I don't know the official number. I didn't yeah. I didn't see one. Yeah. Well, I hope he felt oh, okay. something for Iowa. I would hope so. I hopefully someone will step up. I mean, he's Frankie Muniz. Yeah. How, why would you not want your brand associated with Frankie Muniz? I mean, come on, Cody Banks saved the world twice. Again, yes. And if you didn't like Malcolm in the Middle, I'm sorry, but you don't have a sense of humor. I, I'm sorry. Like that is a fact. I grew up with Malcolm in the Middle. I thought it was the funniest gosh darn show on television. My parents loved it. Like I should not have been watching that show at my age. 
but it was so real, like, heck, it's, oh, it scared me straight. I didn't want to be like Francis or Reese. I wanted to be like Malcolm. I, I don't know. Whatever. What, point is, someone's got to sponsor Frankie, because we got, we got to keep him in Arca. Yeah. Uh, the last piece of NASCAR news here before I turn the reins over to Josh. Uh, Dale Earnhardt Jr. Uh, will run his second Xfinity race. Uh, this one with Bass Pro Shops sponsorship at Homestead. So we've got that confirmed. We've seen the car. Cool. Love to see Jr. run an Xfinity races now and again, stand behind the wheel of the car. I think it's good for NASCAR. It's good for the series, especially the Xfinity series. It's good for the sport as a whole that Dale Jr. is is still out there running races. And to be honest with you, as someone who absolutely hates mayonnaise, I'm so glad he's driving a Bass Pro Shops car because I will tell you something. I love going to Bass Pro Shops, and I hate seeing mayonnaise on the shelves whenever I go to a grocery store. So thank you, Dale Jr., for getting a good sponsorship too. Josh, I'm going to tear things over to you for the featured paint scheme. Uh, we're going to talk about forgotten paint schemes today. Before we do that, this is where I wish I had we had a, we had like a soundboard, and I could click the old jingle from Craig Ferguson's Late Late Show, and goes, "What did we learn on the show tonight, Craig?" The the the, the, the my answer to this yes. would be like, "Yes." <laughs> we learned today that Rob doesn't like to see mayonnaise on the shelf. Good night, everybody. That would be that would be my thing at the end of the show, right I there. I purposefully avoid. The aisles that have mayonnaise. Uh, you're missing out on a lot there. Like if I need to get ketchup or mustard or relish or pickles or whatever, because they're usually all in that aisle. Yes. I I just I have to I can't I can't look at the mayonnaise. Like I have to like block block the mayonnaise from my view so I can't see it. And 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 the same goes. Uh, my 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 dear sweet mother, I love her to death, but every time, every single time she eats mayonnaise are you pretending i am smoking a crack pipe excuse me no, smoking I'm, I'm smoking a pipe I'm, I'm your therapist <laughs> you're my therapist okay well whatever no every time my dear sweet mother she she likes to have mayonnaise with her fries or put mayonnaise on her burger Gosh. and every time i tell her go do that in a corner yeah that's bad i don't want to see that i don't want to see that that's that's nasty Okay. I love my mother, but I don't want to see that. Yeah. Okay. Let's move on, because you take you, you ruined my segment, man. You ruined my segment. No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. Kidding. All right. Let's move on. Feature paint scheme. As as Rob mentioned, forgotten paint schemes. I thought I looked at the winners this week, and I'm like, nothing sticking out to me. No, nothing sticking out. So, forgotten paint schemes. We've done this before. Um, we may have gotten like obscure or random 80s or something paint scheme i don't know if we've actually done specifically forgotten paint schemes but um i was inspired by some uh a, a fan this week at atlanta he had a this guy had a binder full of sign Here in a minute. Rob, tell us about your forgotten paint scheme. Josh, I think you just dropped out there. Can you repeat everything you just said? I can repeat everything I just said. Where did I drop out at? Right when you were about to say your story. Oh, so the reason we're going with forgotten paint scheme this week is because at Atlanta, uh, 
this person had a binder full, and I mean a binder full of hero cards and in pictures like eight by elevens, you know, all sorts of sizes pictures. And one of them was the paint scheme. It was a picture of the paint scheme I picked. So I'm like, ooh, inspiration hit me. That's the way I'm going to go with this week. Rob, what is your forgotten paint scheme? So the obscure forgotten paint scheme that I have is one that I don't think people remember, like, hardly at all. I've never seen this car mentioned. I seldom ever see it brought up. It's frequently forgotten. It ran one time. One time, a Talladega in 2003. And now this race was overshadowed by Elliot Sadler's flip. Um, but there was a surprise fourth Richard Childress racing car in this race. And it was driven by, at the time now, a journeyman. He'd been released from his... Um, He'd been released from his uh, his uh, Petty Enterprises ride by this time. John Andretti uh, lost his ride after the spring Pocono race, or the summer Pocono race, the early first one, and found himself bouncing around from a couple of different teams. You know, he, he went ran the zero car, he ran, ran a couple of races for DEI, but at Talladega, AOL, yes, if you can believe this, AOL, America Online, had enough money to sponsor two NASCAR Winston Cup cars. What a different time we lived in. <laughs> That's a timestamp. <laughs> yes. So nor they sponsored the normal number 30 car of Jeff Green. And then uh, they also sponsored this number 90 car sp uh, for John Andretti. Now, this car was quite simple, actually. But the interesting thing about it was it was numbered 90 to promote AOL 9.0 internet, which was a faster version of dial-up, if you can believe that. I guess faster than 128 kilobits. Um, look, man, I, back in 2003, 156 kilobits was still pretty good. So I'm thinking AOL 9.0 was, 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 was a lot faster than that. So... They uh, had this new car, and it was it was pretty bland-ish, but I I like it. I like it still. It's it's a it's one shade of blue, <clears throat> and uh you know it it really just it tells you exactly what what you need to know. It me it tells you that hey this version of AOL is faster than the previous version, and that's all I need to know to feel nostalgic about this car. Now it ran like I said just once. Talladega finished fifteenth. It did finish 15th. It finished the race. It ran all the laps and made it to the checkered. Um, and and it would be the only time John Andretti would drive this car. Just one time. There would not, there would not be another AOL 9.0 car in, in the NASCAR Winston Cup Series. Or even in the NASCAR Nextel Cup Series. Because I'm pretty sure by 2004, AOL's marketplace dominance had basically died. Uh, if if I recall correctly, like 2004 was the last season for AOL sponsorship because they just lost so much money. People were getting, I think DSL was starting to come out by that point. So yeah. Anyway, that's my featured paint scheme of the week. I like talking about old obscure things. Uh, I almost picked. I tried. I tried to pick obscure Kmart paint schemes, but none of them exist because I've been on a Kmart kick lately. Josh. Um. 
during my training at work, sometimes I have a, a lot more downtime because there's things I can't do. So in that downtime, I just Google pictures of Kmart, Indiana Kmarts, and their locations when they close. You know, there's an entire fan wiki that has detailed information on every single Indiana Kmart's opening and closing dates. What did we learn? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, okay, no, did not know that. That that is new. (laughs) Um, That's great. Uh, I mean, yeah, Kmart nostalgia, childhood. I always buy, if the die cast I see somewhere has a Kmart sticker, it's going home with me. It just is, it's just the way it is. Uh, My paint scheme, the one that inspired this, was it was an, I'm pretty sure it was like an eight by eleven, uh, picture of Elliot Sadler's two thousand and one NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series number eighty four Motocraft Ford F one fifty for truck owner Robert Long. It was it was ran one time. It was Elliot Sadler's second career truck start, and he only made like eight of them. And it is basically a carbon copy. Of his 2001 Motocraft entry with Wood Brothers. You know, slightly different, uh, you know, layout a little bit because we could fit on the truck truck body, right? And a slightly different font. But he started 19th and finished 30th after a brake failure. I tell you, uh, this was uh, this was cool. This guy had uh, all sorts of old pictures. And he wasn't, he, Robbie was probably like around our age too. Which tells me like he's, he's got around like buying old pictures and stuff from people, you know, or buying stuff. Well, that's how you spend money. I know. And this thing was binder full of them. So I don't know who the guy was. Uh, he was a Kevin Harvick fan for one. It was at a Kevin Harvick meeting, meet and greet. I saw it. Uh, so, uh, you know, thanks to this guy for seeing for, for, for showing that, that was great. Um, anyways, uh, that was the feature paint scheme this week. Rob had a excellent John Andretti nod. Uh, totally. I had forgotten about that scheme too, Rob. So thank you for reminding me. Hooray! Fantastic. And uh, you know the my uh, '84 Motocraft Ford. That if I, I can guarantee they didn't make a diecast of this. But if I did, I would buy it. Dude, I didn't so, even know this existed. I had to look it up. I'd never seen it before. Well, I'm glad I showed. I, 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 I told you. There you go. Yeah, literally, Forgot- you, you nailed it. For, forgotten paint scheme. We both chose one off. Fantastic job. All right, up shift. Downshift. You've all played the game before, but if you haven't, here's the rules. Upshift means we agree. Downshift, we disagree. We can throw it into neutral. If it's a mix of both, we kind of can't decide. Uh, we don't have enough information to draw a firm conclusion. Um, or, you know, the one time we've used it one, hey, three or four times, we just don't care. Throw it into neutral, too. But we're hoping that we care about these questions this week, and I guarantee we will. So, Rob, first question here. Reports have it that IndyCar will remain at 17 races in 2024. Do you have shift or downshift? Oh, gosh. You got to get one to... You had to start one right off with one that was going to make me mad. Uh, I downshift this. This is ridiculous. I've said it for a long time. 17 races is too little. 20 races is fine. 18 is better than 17. First of all, odd number of races is stupid as someone with OCD. Not really OCD. Sorry, I didn't mean to say that. Um, but... Yeah, I ASD. There you go. Um, I'm 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 frustrated at that. Second of all, because I know that there's the 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 worst thing about it was I I think it was the uh, Nathan Brown article that that 
was posted about it, where basically it's like IndyCar, Roger Penske basically said he's so committed to 17 races that he's literally willing to drop one to remain at 17 races. Now, I, I first of all, I think dropping a race to stay at 17 races is stupid. Just expand the schedule. I mean, I don't understand. Like, why? what are we doing here? Um, but se- but second of all, the only the only race that I could think the, there's only two races that they could potentially drop, and that's the second Iowa doubleheader, and then the second IMS road course race. Those are the only two that I think they'd be even remotely willing to drop. Now, here's the thing: there's there's been rumors that the Brickyard is probably going to go back to the Oval sooner rather than later. Don't know when, but I imagine when that happens, that is when we will see an end to that second Indianapolis Grand Prix. Which it probably will be next year, 30th anniversary, Brickyard probably wants to be on the Oval, right? Yeah, a lot of people are calling for it. I mean, it. I've never seen... It's always so funny to me how many... The same people who hate want to... IMS off the schedule entirely. Now are just just want it to not be the road course, <laughs> like anything but the road course. And I'd say I get it, but you can't have your cake and eat it too. Um, but anyway, yeah, I, I I just don't like this. I feel like there's there's tracks that they can go to or that they should go to. I feel like they're also stifling their growth because they talk about you know. In in the same Nathan Al- Brown article that I'm alluding to, they basically talked about um, going to Argentina for uh, non championship for, for a, yeah for an exhibition race and then possibly Australia. Look, man, the only time we should be doing a non a, an exhibition race probably would be running in Australia, running the Surfers Paradise race at Grand Prix again. I'd prefer that to be a championship round. But I'm not going to be mad if they make it a non-points championship, non-points race again. If you're going to go to Argentina, I think that should just straight up be a points race in and of itself. Like I, I, I feel, I feel very strongly that that should just be a points race. There's no reason for that to be, to, for that not to be a points points race. It's not. I mean, make it. I mean, otherwise, what is it? I mean, it it doesn't matter. It's a waste of money for everybody to just travel down there. Yeah. It's it's an entirely a waste of money. Like, why are we doing that? Unless the payout is ridiculously high, there's no point to it. Australia might, there might be, because of, you know, you've got Kiwis in the series. You've got, you know, you've got Dixon. You've got McLaughlin. You've got Will Power. You've got Marcus Armstrong. You know, you've got, I mean, I'm probably missing one or maybe I'm not. I don't know. Um, uh, but, you know, you've got all these drivers that are very popular, very successful. Like, the drivers I just listed are, they're no slouch. You know, they're very, very good at what they do. Um, and I feel like, especially with Scott McLaughlin, I mean, you you, you do a, a a weekend with supercars, I mean, and, and of course, I think you've got to make it a, a, a an exhibition race in that case, because the supercars is going to be the main, main event. The Gold Coast whatever it is now. I think it's like, it's not a, the 600 anymore. It sucks, but um, whatever that is, I mean, it's it's not a good idea to make that a points race when you're, like, I think we talked about with supercars, it's not an idea, a good idea to make make it a points race when you're not the main event. 
Yeah. You know, if IndyCar is the main event, then you can make it a points race. If IndyCar is not the main event, better to keep it an exhibition. That's where I think about that. Still, overall, downshifting, 100% downshifting on this. IndyCar needs to expand the schedule. 18, 19, that's fine. 20 is even better. But, dude, this IndyCar has the longest offseason, and it's it, it killer. It's killer. And there's weeks that go by where IndyCar just becomes entirely forgotten about. And you see other racing series like Formula One, like NASCAR, even like supercars, capitalizing on these off weekends. <laughs> capitalizing on this stuff and having more races often. It's just frustrating to me that IndyCar continues to be content with... I, I have no idea how to say uh, po how to politically correctly say this, but IndyCar continues to just keep blue balling its viewers and its its fans, and it's it's got to stop. It's just got to stop because eventually people aren't going to stick up for it anymore. People aren't going to stand for it. People are going to move on to something else, and they can't keep riding this wave if they're not capitalizing on their popularity. That's my opinion on that. Josh, go ahead. Yeah, I downshift as well. I don't know what Roger Penske's thinking here, why he wants to be so headstrong about keeping 17 races. Uh, every other series is either trying new things or growing, with the exception of Formula One with teams, which we'll talk about in a second. Um, it's like this is, they like have the re reverse problem. IndyCar's adding races, but maybe not adding teams. IndyCar's growing in teams, but they're not adding races. And like you said, they're not capitalizing on... I don't think they're capitalizing on the open wheel popularity growth. I mean, it seems like, yes, open wheel is getting more and more popular over the past few years in America, uh, especially even in IndyCar, not just with Formula One. Um, you mentioned it. I think the two races that you can drop is an is a Indy GP race and uh, Iowa and Iowa race. It, it just, yeah, I, I am utterly confused. Everyone else in that division, that division, that series, I guarantee you, is saying yes. We need more races. Obviously, you need to make have it make economic sense, right? You have to have it, you know, have a good payout, be worth everyone's time, right? But I think that's achievable. I think the sweet spot's like twenty two races for them. They need to be at twenty two races. They need to go until at least mid October. Um, and they either need to go to at least mid-October, or they need to start, like, in late January. You know, they need, they need to figure this out. You know, they, they can't, they cannot keep starting in late, or early March, excuse me, and ending in mid-September. With 17 races. It's a long, that, that, that's a lot of off weeks, so... Um, yeah, you know, I, 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 I don't understand what his, his thought process here. Again, it's just another example of Roger Penske, you know, crapping the bed with the series. So I don't understand. Uh, next question here. Speaking of more races, the 24, uh, race 2024 calendar for Formula One was announced and Max Verstappen called it, quote, too many for me. Do you upset or downshift the calendar expansion and it's re it's Pre, uh, we, we previously discussed realignments. Well, this one's very interesting for me because I have a couple of different takes on it. First of all, I do think that the F1 schedule is getting a little bit out of hand. Um, in IndyCar, it's one thing because you're, you're staying in North America for the most part. I mean, even if you're going to South America once 
it's still not that big of a deal as compared to Formula One. And again, as I've mentioned before as well, if their goal is to be carbon neutral by 2030, then something's got to be done about the schedule because it's ridiculous. Now, to that point, the realignment, I think, is good. Um, Putting more, you know, classifying the races geographically is always, always a good thing. I have no major problems with that. I think that's a good move to potentially address address that whole deal with, again, achieving net zero carbon neutrality and also the fatigue and strain that it puts on everybody just having to to travel. Though, but but still, I feel like, you know, we're, there's a lot of races that we can, we can trim the fat on. And again, yeah, I'm going to say it. They're the Middle East races. Like, I don't think we need to be going to Qatar. I don't think we need to be going to Saudi Arabia. I know that they pay us a lot of money, but I I'll mean, money. I haven't seen any of that money, Rob. Well, okay. They pay them a lot of money. Pay F1 a lot of money. And I get it. I get it. But at what point do you realize, at what point do you stop and say, yeah, we're making all this money, but is it actually making us more popular in the long run? Like, yeah, you could take all the short-term money, but, like, in the long run, in several years, like, are you fostering an entire, uh, you know, are you fostering an entire... Uh, group of Middle Eastern racing fans. Right. But that's my biggest, biggest question. Like, and right now, I, I don't know. I mean, how, I, how many drivers from Arab countries do you see? I mean, I know that there's a couple. There, there's, there's a good amount, but they're still few and far between. You know, they're not as frequent as like. The French race drivers, the Spanish drivers, the English drivers, the uh, Australian and New Zealand drivers, the Japanese drivers even. Um, heck, I would even argue that there's more Chinese drivers now um, than there were. You know, Zhao Guan Yu is a great example, you know, a, a great, great example of that. And I think, you know, I, I do believe that the Chinese Grand Prix had something to do with that and has something to do with that. So if... You know, we're getting to the point where, yeah, okay, we're going to have a Saudi Arabian driver in a couple of years. Okay, great. But if that's nowhere on the horizon, at some point it's time to pull the plug and cut back on the amount of races that you have. And obviously, I know, F1's not going to do that. They're not going to do that. They're going to probably kill off more European tracks. Whatever. I know the realities of it. I still don't like it, but that's my take on it. You know, um, I guess until Max Verstappen actually says, I'm done, I'm going to continue to say he's bluffing. Um, so I kind of downshift that part of it. I mean, I shift the realignments. I think, uh, you know, the whole Canada-Miami thing, that's just, that's just a year or two away probably uh, getting that squared away uh so that is you know more conducive to a better travel schedule you know where you make two trips to north and south america as opposed to three uh, 
that also would break up. You know, doing that, moving that to May would also allow them to get more European races in through June and July because you you have to have an off week before and after Canada to move stuff around. So I think that 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 potentially opens up the door to having a another European race in the summer, which again would help with travel. Um, obviously, the you know you're you're booking in the season with the Middle Eastern races. I think a Singapore date, uh, if they were to, if they're able to move Singapore to, um, to be with the Japanese, the Chinese, and the Australian Grand Prix, um, you're gonna oh, that'd be good. There's taking steps in the right direction. Uh, obviously, you know, you know, a schedule has to evolve. We're seeing that in the states here with NASCAR. Um, obviously we, we just got talking about with IndyCar's schedule evolution, how it needs to evolve and it's not evolving where NASCAR is evolving. They're, they're trying new things. They're, they're, they're going back to locations. They're trying to go back to locations. Um, even if they're just for a year or two or, or one-offs, whatever, however they are, are, are going to be viewed, you know, we're, we're doing things differently. And F1 has to evolve as well. I agree. I think for Saudi, or uh, Saudi Arabian, uh, for Middle Eastern races is too much. Uh, based off of at least potential world traveling fans, put it like that. Um, I, I, I almost want to say, depending upon where you're at, you're probably going to see a lot of the same people. Um, and they're going to have a lot of money. So, um, yeah, I, I just, I, I think, I, I, I kind of... I do think, I think that the max right now is 25 races. I do think here in the next three years, once if they get if they can get Montreal shifted to May, and they're able to move a European Grand Prix from the fall to summer, you're going to see a 25th race added. I do believe that. Um, obviously, you know, for, for for those who listening here in the states or in Europe and don't understand geography, you know Europe is pretty pretty similar to in size to the United States. So you know if you're moving, you know from where where we, the last three weeks for NASCAR have been in Nashville, Chicago, and in Atlanta. You know that's that's Belgium, Austria, and Hungary. You know for you right there. There's a triple header. Obviously, that's a lot of pain. Sake. I do think I do. I, do, I we've this is going on a little off topic, but we have suggested on the show ways they can cut money and save money and cut and have less stress on teams. We have suggested that, and where you are, you might have a core group of people that's like five, six, seven, eight people who yes, they are going to every race, but then your support, you can split that in half and say, okay, we don't need this many people going to every race. You you are taking these you, these blocks of races, and then this group's taking these blocks of races. Obviously, the mental health, you know that 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 in the stress and travel times, that all has to be taken into consideration. Obviously, but uh, I do think you're going to see 25 here in a few years, and that's just a matter of moving Montreal. I think aside from you can't align all the mo- mo- Middle Eastern races together, I guess. But you know they're they are moving towards a more travel friendly schedule at least but for max again I, i'm going to reiterate what i said before until he actually says i'm done i'm going to say he's bluffing so um i guess i kind of upshift and downshift that one there all right next one do you upshift or downshift that daniel hemrick worked against his uh th- that that daniel hemrick worked against his college racing teammates on the final restart of the xfinity series race at atlanta 
No, I, I don't think he did. I downshift this. I don't think he did. I, I think a lot of the situation was it was more... No, it, 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 the fact of the matter was Haley, Justin Haley admitted he, he, was, he was running out of gas. I mean, he was running out of gas. There wasn't much he could do. Um, he was... Uh, it, I think if, if Haley had, wasn't running out of gas, I definitely think that he would have been... He would have pushed Hemrick uh, to the wind, probably. But the fact of the matter is he just ran out of gas. People didn't want to work with Hemrick. I, you know, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? I mean, I don't, I don't really think that it, I don't think it was a situation where he worked against his teammates, especially, I mean, if we're talking about like selecting the, I think he took the outside instead of the inside on the, on the choose. Even then, you know, it, you, you'd rather be on the outside. I mean, at least you saw what the outside lane was able to do. The outside, you know, the outside lane could get better runs sometimes. Um, especially if, you know, you had help. Not saying that the bottom couldn't do that, but it was more prevalent up on the top. So it just seemed like Hemrick was doing the right, doing what was right for him. I think the initial plan probably would have been for Hemrick to fall in behind, in front of Haley. Again, that didn't happen. And Haley, it just, again, Justin Haley admitted post-race, I think he admitted it to, I want to say, who was it? I want to say it was Matt Weaver. Um, basically, yeah, dude, I just ran out of gas, and so I just I I tried to block for Daniel, and it didn't go the way it was meant to go. So to me, to me, that's not working against his team. That's just a bad a bad deal for for Hemrick. Yeah, I, I kind of got a downshift this as well. Uh, I was actually standing next to the ten pit uh, there at the last restart, and I could tell they were very worried. I uh, couldn't hear gas, and I'm not really good at re reading lips, but I knew when they last pitted, I'm like, they're going to be tight. And there was a lot of cars running apron. I'm like, they're going to be tight on gas. And I, I get, Hemrick was further down pit road there, and I, I couldn't really see where, or see their body language or whatnot. But I definitely think he he did, he's got to win. He needs a win, right? And he's like, I can't get behind the 10 and the 16 and they run out of gas. If I'm in a better fuel situation, right? I need to I need to worry about myself. And in a two-lap shootout, I know you want to work together with teammates, but sometimes you got to throw that out the window too. Um, and, and he saw his best opportunity was to push John and try to get around him. Um, in in literally three miles, you know, which, which goes quick at Atlanta. You know, it goes quick. So... Now I downshift. I, I I think um, I think he did what he had to do, and based off of the information that he had, and that information was the ten and sixteen are low on fuel. They might sputter. They might run out. Don't get stuck behind them. You're in a better position. You might run out too. But you're in a better position, so take what you can. And that was going behind the twenty on that on that choose cone uh, restart. All right, next one here is Sean Higurani, Dord, Venturini Motorsports teammate Dean Thompson on the final lap of the ARCA Mid-Ohio race, seeing Thompson from 2nd to 8th in the final results. And this is what, you know, got him ultimately suspended after uh, Dean kind of ran him off the track in the final corner uh, prior to that. And he and then and, and Higurani spun around. So do you guys have to downshift what Sean did? 
shift. This is stupid. I mean, look, I don't care. I don't care if, you know, he's not technically your teammate or whatever some people were saying. I, I don't care. If that guy is driving for the same car owner as you, I don't care what your, what your allegiance is. You do not screw that guy's car because that guy is giving you the privilege of driving his car. Okay, now, you know, I think I, I equate it to, you know, like Formula 3, Formula 2 drives. You know, like, they're not teammates, but they race on the same team, right? Don't take your teammate out. It doesn't end well. They, you know, doesn't matter if you're out there for yourself, if it, you're, 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 if whatever. The team's out there for a reason. The team's trying to accomplish something. You're trying to accomplish something, but you're not going to be able to accomplish that if you don't show the team the same respect that they're showing you. So what Sean Hignorani has basically done is showed everybody the kind of driver that he's, he is, uh, and he's told the entire racing world, I don't care if you're my teammate, I don't care if you're giving me the, the privilege of driving your race car, I'm going to do whatever I want, whenever I want, and I've got a big check, so you can't stop me. That's the vibe that he's put out. I'm sorry. And if this is wrong, if he wants to prove me wrong, then go ahead. But right now, the way you're racing Dean Thompson was ridiculous. Because my, from my view of it, my view, that initial contact triggered everything. Racing deal. Total racing deal. Absolute racing deal. Whole thing was. Those guys were racing hard. All race. It's a racing deal. But Plus... It's your teammate. I don't think that Dean Thompson intentionally wrecked him. I don't think Dean Thompson's that bad of a driver. I don't think he's that dirty of a driver. I don't think he would do that. I don't think he would do that to a teammate on purpose either. Doesn't matter how Sean had been racing him the whole race. I don't think that Dean Thompson's that kind of person, so I don't think that Dean Thompson's, you know, rubbing racing. I don't think that that, there's, that warranted that. But second of all, to take out your teammate... Who's running second? He's running second. He might not get the win, but he was running second. That is, that is, I mean, I, there's no other word to say it other than that's a dick move. <laughs> yeah. That's just, that's just mean. That's just cruel. I mean, not only, not only are you sending, you're, you're sending a ridiculous message to the driver, but you're also telling, again, everybody who works on that team that it's their fault, too, that you got spun around. And that's ridiculous. That team worked just as hard to get Dean Thompson in that position as Dean Thompson did on the racetrack. It's just one of the most classless things I've ever seen. I mean, I've seen a lot of crazy stuff, but it, it's... This is just classless on my part. And in my own honest, my honest opinion, I think the one-race suspension, it's, it's too little. Somebody, you have to send a message to kids like this. I mean, the, you're, you cross the line you never cross, which is don't wreck your teammate, let alone don't wreck your teammate who's running second in a meaningless race for, for, for him. Dean Thompson is not running for the ARCA championship. Yeah. Why? Why ruin his race? Him winning doesn't affect anything. I, 
I just, it, it blows my mind. It blows my mind that he would sandbag the last several laps too. Not even like this wasn't, you know, a, a situation where, oh, they just found each other on the track organically. Hickerani literally tiptoed around the field, around the track, for the last several laps, waiting for Dean Thompson to get near him so he could wreck him. I mean, in the eyes of the law, well, gosh darn it, that's premeditated vehicular manslaughter. Well, vehicular something. Assault. Yeah. It's premeditated. It's, it's, that's, that makes it worse. I don't know, I, I think the one-race suspension is too little. Like, I understand, like, you know, the one-race suspension for wrecking people who aren't teammates, wrecking people who, you know, just come together on the racetrack, you know, he's getting tired of being raced this way, so he dumps him, whatever. No, this was for second place. The, 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 the circumstances are different in this case. I think it warrants a longer penalty. Um, and, and quite honestly, quite honestly, the longer penalty, I think he should be just thrown out for the rest of the season. I don't know that sounds harsh, but the thought process behind sandbagging your entire, your entire race by basically, basically telling your crew, hey, I don't care about the fit, my finish. I don't care that you all still want to get a good finish about this. I don't care. I just want to wreck this person who happens to be my teammate, who happens to be cutting the same kind of check that I'm cutting to be able to race here. I know I'm going on for a long, long time, but this this just bugs me. This bothers me. This enrages me that someone can be that classless behind the wheel of a race car, that reckless, that stupid, and still be allowed to race the rest of the season. Like, no, this... Th the rules, the unwritten rules, the written rules that he broke are numerous. That if this were a court of law, I mean, I'm certain the prosecutor would make him serve all of, all of his jail time concurrently. So in my opinion, I think he should serve the suspension concurrently. I think he should be suspended for the rest of the season. This was ridiculous. This was unbelievably stupid, dangerous classless, all of the above. Josh, I'm going to stop myself before I ramble and say the same things over and over again. Take it away. I don't know what to add. Um, so I won't say copy and paste, but yeah, that was not a good move. I don't agree with it. Um, doesn't matter if, you know, you felt like he was Randy off the track. You got to discuss it after the fact. Um, yeah. The worst part about this, too, is that it gives... Arca more negative publicity because you know Black Flags Matter had to go and make a video about this, yeah. and, and and you know go about go ahead and call Arca a clown show, you know for not legitimate reasons, but things like oh the actions of one driver speak for the entire grid, which it's just not true. Right. It's just not true. Just right. because Sean Hignerani is an is an idiot. It doesn't mean the rest of the field was. It didn't mean Dean Thompson was. It didn't mean Tyler Ankrum was. It didn't mean anyone else was. It just means that this one guy is crazy and shouldn't be behind the wheel of a race car. I mean, you're doing Dan Tictum level crap. I mean, come on. 
I mean, I mean, Santino Ferrucci basically would have killed to get a slap on the wrist like that for doing well, the same thing. Well, let's move on to this next one. Uh, let's go from one clown show to the next. Uh, Total Wolf said that adding another team or two to the Formula One grid would be a safety issue as the tracks already look like, quote, a go-kart track and cars are, quote, tripping over one another. Do you upshift or downshift? What is he talking about? What is he talking about? Is, is Total watching the same product I'm watching? It, by that logic, by that logic, then Formula 3 should cap their cars at 20. Well, guess what? They allow 30! And nobody complains! I understand that they're smaller cars, but they're less experienced drivers. So what you're telling me is less experienced drivers can safely run with 30 cars on the track. 29 other cars. 29 other cars on the track. But the so-called best drivers in the world at the pinnacle of all motorsports can't safely qualify with 20 cars. That seems a little bit far-fetched and flippant, doesn't it, Toto? I don't know where he's... And, and, and I don't know where he's getting this. Like, they ran 24 cars for the first couple of seasons of Mercedes F1's existence in 2010 through 20, you know, 12. So, if you're going to sit here and tell me that that, that, oh, that was dangerous, that was too dangerous, we should... You put... You did three years of that. Three seasons of that. And you're going to tell me that that was too dangerous? No, I don't think we ever, there was ever a safety issue there. I think the biggest glaring safety issue was probably the lack of a halo back then. Not the amount of cars on the track. For good lord. It, you're, you're, you're splitting hairs here. This is ridiculous. Get over it and let Andretti in. Um, I just want to say thank you to the Clown College of Vienna for giving him an honorary certificate next week. Uh when we're in Hungary or two weeks from now when we're in Hungary. Um, that was, that's, this, this, this might be the dumbest statement from a team principal in all this conversation about adding cars. This right here should be the last piece of evidence that you knew. They're not worried about the safety of the track. They're worried about the safety of the wallets. Yep. So let's, once and for all, say, y'all are crazy. You are free to continue to race here. If you want to leave, great. Go. We are adding, I think there's three or th around three solid entry or, or uh, applications for entry. We're going to add two. We're going to add two to the grid. They're going to start in the next Concord Agreement. Comes out. Everyone's going to know their money. My guess is they'll probably will get more money from 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 uh, you know licensing and from a commercial standpoint. They're going to get more money anyways. So you just kind of divvy it out. Maybe maybe instead of getting a fifteen percent raise, you get like a seven percent raise or whatever. I don't know what it'd be, you know, for uh, money that is potentially available for you to get. Right? I I don't know. I I, I really don't, I I don't know the financials of it, but I'm sure. Whatever Andretti wanting to join before this current Concord agreement is not happening. He's going to have to wait till twenty six. 
when the next Concord Agreement first year begins. I I, I promise you that's what that's what's going to happen. He said we're ready by twenty five. Great, you're racing in twenty six, right? So I, this right here is the last piece of evidence that if I'm anybody at the FIA, um, because I'm not going to anyone at F one. Stefano Domenicali has officially. He's on this bandwagon too. That's what you get for hiring an ex-team principal to run Formula One. Okay. Well, it, so, I mean, it's no different than other. Right, but yeah, Continue. yeah. But, but that's what you get. They're all they're all in the same boat. So FIA, Liberty Media, make the decision. You guys both, I know they both want more teams. I don't care who the two teams are. I kind of do, but. They're not. This isn't going to be a situation where you're going to have crappy teams. You're not going to. You shouldn't. If you if there's not a good applicant, don't add anybody. You don't have to add anybody. If you come and say we did not like the applications that that were submitted, and if you give it, in it it's got to be basically from a financial standpoint, right? But Toto here, absolutely downshift. There's no way this looks like a go kart track. They're not tripping over each other. The, granted, he said this before the British Grand Prix, and it was a relatively close field. Uh, of, of racing, but there are other races where, like, wow, each car's three seconds behind each other. I mean, last time I checked, that's really not tripping over each other. So, uh, Toto, thank you for the laugh. I'm uh, to get to the think we're getting to the point where even if F1 teams were guaranteed that they'd make more money with two additional teams, they'd still say no. Like, even if they saw the books. Even if they were presented with all the financial information that they needed and they said, you are going to make double your current income as an F1 team, I'm pretty sure at this point they're so stubborn they'd still say no. Oh, 100%. They, they've, back, they've now backed themselves into a corner. They, can't, they cannot leave, it, leave out of it. That's, that's the problem that they're, that they're facing. So, all right, next one here. Uh, Rob, do you upshift or downshift the team order from Red Bull Ample Racing during the Sunday Supercars race at Townsville where Shane Van Gisbergen was ordered to give up his position to teammate Brock Feeney in the late in the uh, in late in the race? Do you upshift or downshift that move? Well, you know, I think it's definitely a very interesting decision by uh, Red Bull Ample Racing because I understand that Brock Feeney is your championship hope right now. But, I mean, you're you're not exactly making Shane want to stick around by make by having him do this. And I, again, I understand you want Brock to get as maximum points. I get that. But you're also asking the guy who's just won the mo- two most recent championships for your team to pull over. I I get I get all of this, but. I mean, this is like asking Fernando Alonso to pull over for Lance Stroll at this point. You know, even if Lance is going to get more points because he's higher points from Alonso, which is not the case, just not the case, but hypothetically that is, I still don't think Alonso would do it. I I still don't think you you can ask him to do such such a thing. Even even if Alonso is cool with it, I still don't think it's something you ask of a veteran driver, of a veteran championship driver, unless they themselves personally say they're okay with it. And it was pretty clear SVG was not okay with this. You know, that's just my view. Again, I understand from a team perspective 
wanting to maximize the amount of points, wanting to try and get Brock in the best position he can be to win win a race. Because, you know, Brock's the future. I get that. That when, when Brock was brought in to replace Jamie Wincup, he was the he was the future, you know? And I understand. But at the same time, do you, you you the things that SVG has done for this team, especially in the most in the recent years, have been huge. You know, I mean, it's not even a situation of what have you done for me lately? Like, he's done a lot for them lately. And just because he's having an off season doesn't mean he hasn't won. I mean, he's still won races. He's still done well. I mean, I got to have to look up where he is in, in points right now. But, like, he's not that far back in points. I mean, where is he right now? Let's see. All right, Feeney is third in points. All right, Brock is third in points. SVG is fourth in points. Feeney has what it looks like about 50, a 50-point 50 lead over SVG. And, but he's got, what What does it say? About a 19-point deficit to Brody. And, Will, and Brody's got a 7-point deficit to Will Brown. Okay. I mean, look, Will Brown won this weekend, won the first race. What are you going to do about it? But I don't know. I just, especially, I feel like it's, even though the supercar season is basically halfway over, I, I, I just, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, SVG and Brock are still close together. The points, the points battle is still kind of open between Will Brown, Brody Kostecki, and Brock Feeney. I get it. But just because Brown and Kostecki are consistent doesn't mean they've been winning. Feeney and Van Gisbergen have been winning. They just need to lock down on that consistency. Feeney locks down on that consistency. I think he can win the championship. If he can get as consistent as, as the two Erebus cars are, while at the same time continuing to win, I mean, the championship is still easily in his grasp. He doesn't need SVG pulling over for him. So... Look, that's my piece on that. I know Josh doesn't... I don't know how much of a take you have on this, if you have one at all. But I just... I I, I, I didn't think that was the right call. I, I definitely downshipped that. Um. Yeah, I, I mean, that's... Uh, I mean, outside of Formula 1, where it's so ingrained, I'm usually against team orders uh, in general. Um, even though I don't view it as probably as others would view it as manipulating a race i maybe don't take it that far i just think it's again in, in poor taste someone has how, 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 however they did they've earned that right to be ahead right you, the person behind them needs to earn their way around vg started last for what it's worth in that race yeah so um, but yeah. So, so it's kind of, it's an insult to injury to say, hey, congratulations from starting last. Now, congratulations from getting this high. We need you to give up this position for Brock. Yeah, I think it's, and it is kind of, you know, the points, you never know what can happen in the last few races. You know, if he's 200 points out of the lead, that's one thing, I guess, maybe. But in general, I think that's pretty crappy to ask somebody to do that. You know, again, outside of F1, where it's so ingrained, and even then... The human behind the wheel makes the final decision, you know. Um, I guess I, I guess in general, I kind of downshift, and I and I can't say I disagree with anything you said. So, 
copy and paste kind of what you said, maybe, probably. With my additions there or substitutions, however you want to be it. All right, next one here. Do you upshift or downshift that Formula One team principals are getting more vocal about adding more teams to the grid because the likelihood more do get added is high? I mean, this is, this is interesting. I think they're just getting vocal in general because they want to stay elite. They're, they're coming up with their own excuses and they're telling the media all of these reasons for why they're rationalizing every ridiculous thing. I, it's all because they just, they, they like their exclusivity. But they like the ability to say, we are an F1 of 10 F1 teams. Like, they like being able to say that. They don't like the idea of F1 not being, like, this walled garden anymore. You know, they don't like the idea of, you know, anybody being able to come in and, and participate. They want it to be the best teams of the best, you know? And unfortunately, look, as much as you could see their worldview of it, it it's still kind of silly. It's, it's, it's still—you're not— you're not helping the series because if if you can add another team that's just as healthy as you guys, what is the downside to that? You know, if you can add another team that's willing to spend as much money as, I don't know, McLaren, then what's the problem? Why is that a problem? It's not. Like, did, did, did I mean... I just, I just, I don't get it. There has to be some, they're just rationalizing some. And yeah, I think they're getting more and more vocal because again, they want to, they want to stay in that world garden. They don't want to allow outsiders into their sport, especially uh, not another American one. I, I don't know how they're, they, they, I mean, this was never a problem for Haas. Like I remember when Haas was announced, everybody was, was thrilled about it. And we still had Manor and Caterham when Haas was announced. I mean, that was still a thing. They were, I, mean, I mean, hell, Manor and Haas raced together. And that wasn't seen as a bad thing. And without Haas, when Manor collapsed, we would have had less than 20 cars, which would have been embarrassing. So... What's wrong, again, what's wrong with a little insurance like that? I guess they're so confident that no one's going to go under that they don't have to worry about it? I, I don't know, man. It might, it might make sense now, but five, six years down the road, I don't know how much sense it's going to make. I, I upshift. I think they know it's coming. Um, they're still, you know, not to crack holes in your theory, and I'm sure you probably agree with this, um, feel free to comment, but F1 is still a, a, a walled garden. You can walk into yes. NASCAR, yeah. you can walk into NASCAR right now and, and... For the right price, buy a charter outright. Well, not even that. You can show, if you, if you build a car past safety inspection, past tech, have a driver that's, that's, cert, that, that's uh, licensed, you can race a cup race. Oh, uh, yeah, especially since... How often do you get more than forty cars showing up? How often well, do you even, get more than thirty-seven? Well, even well, even then, like you can show up and attempt to race. Is my point. Formula One, you can't just walk up there like, "Hey, I got a car. I would like to attempt to qualify." It, 
no, that's not the way it works. IndyCar. Used to be. Used to be that way. Yeah, it used to be. IndyCar, if you have a chassis you want to attempt to qualify, yeah, go ahead. F1 is still exclusive. So for for the, 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 the team principals and the owners to be complaining about this, is stupid. If that's that, I understand you want to, you're still going to be exclusive. 12 constructors are F1 constructors. 24 cars. That's not much different than 20 and 10. I'm sorry. It's not. So I think they're getting more vocal. I think they're getting more ludicrous with, the, with their statements, i.e. Toto, because they know it's coming. Because they know that two teams, at least one, maybe two teams are going to be added to the grid. I don't see three being added, but I can definitely see two being added to the grid. So, guys, it, you, you, I don't, I don't really, I, I, I'm out of, I'm out of words. And I, my, my final note on this is it just seems like to me that they're afraid of somebody else coming in and kicking their butts. Too. Which isn't going to happen immediately. But, but let's be honest, no. is that even bad for the sport? No, no. it's everyone. Okay, you're telling me right now, like if Andretti came in, or who, who's, who's the other one that's, that's, that applied that's going to have to... Oh, oh, um, high tech. High tech. If one of these team, two teams happen to come in, and they're like, whoa, these guys are fast. They're competing with Red Bull. Is that a bad thing? No. No. You are going to lose so much of the audience that you have gained because they're going to get bored of watching the same team or driver win every single week. Though the true fans will stick around, right? But those casual fans that are that enjoy, you can't make a drive to survive story. Where all you do is like, man, that, 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 that run for third was really intense today. Yeah, it was. Really intense. And there's nothing at the front mixing up. There's no challenges up front. Max Verstappen. There's no drama. There's, there's zero drama right now without up front. And the biggest drama you're going to get for anything else, yes, of course, if you have fights, if you have some inner team, some smack talking, yeah, some right. Hulkenberg versus Kevin Magnuson type stuff from yeah. 16. If you get some of that, sure, yeah, absolutely. But the biggest drama is going to win if you have competition up front. Right now, you don't have it. I don't, if that, again, the, the reasons they're worrying are other series like dreams, right? If, Na if NASCAR could have a Dale Earnhardt versus Jeff Gordon right now, they'd be in heaven. They'd be in heaven. But they don't. But I guarantee you they want it. All right, next question here, also F1 related. Daniel Ricciardo re replaces Nick DeVries at AlphaTauri before the end of the 2023 season. Do you upshift or downshift? I will upshift this, but not Daniel Ricciardo. Not Daniel Ricciardo. You want to know who I think is actually going to replace him? Share. All right. I'm going to share this tweet from Jenna Fryer, posted July 7th. This is a great radio. He's searching a tweet right now. No, I have it. I have it pulled up in front of me. Because I, I, I knew I wanted to make this point, so I had this pulled up in front of me. Uh, a, uh, a, I believe, European-based journalist, Joe Sayward, 
I believe that's his name, wrote that, quote, the word is that Dr. Helmut Marco likes the look of Spaniard Alex Pillow and might offer him a seat at Alpha Tauri when the IndyCar season ends in September. To which Jenna Fryer retweeted, quote tweeted, and stated Zach Brown today said that Alex Pillow is their reserve driver and, quote, will be joining us at the end of the year for the remaining Formula One races. With everything that's going on with with, with, with uh, Alex Pillow, this guy wants an F1 drive, and I don't think he cares how he gets it. This guy just wants to race an F1. Chip Ganassi wants to have him back. Errol McLaren wants him. He thought going to Errol McLaren would get him that F1 ride. Arrow has decided to, that, I guess, Lando and Oscar Piastri are their future, which, after this weekend, why not? They both had great performances. I think, yeah, they are their future. So maybe now Polo is starting to think, hmm, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I should look elsewhere if I really want to get into Formula 1. If Helmut Marco is in his inbox or in his text messages or in his DMs in any way, shape, or form, DMs. I, I, I think that that's more likely than Daniel Ricciardo. I think Ricardo is content in his current role. I think when the time is right, he'll come back to F1. But I don't think that the time is right for Danny Rick right now. But the time might be right for Alex Pillow. So that's, again, all speculation. But that's what I think is going to happen. So that's, that's where I shift. I do upshift that I think Nick DeVries' days as an F1 driver, unfortunately, as much as I like him and as much as I think that he's a good driver, I do unfortunately think that they're numbered just because the business is ruthless. But I don't think it'll be all bad because for, in, for race fans in general because I think this will mean Polo will get a chance. But again, totally, totally just my opinion. Zero. Take, take everything I just said with a grain of salt, but that's what I think. Well, uh, that's new knowledge. Um, yeah, I'll agree with everything you said there. Um, I, I will... broke you. I broke you, didn't I? I'm sorry. You did. Um, you know what? But I'll say I don't think if Daniel Ricardo is definitely number two on the list. If if Zach Brown does not allow Polo to go over there, you know. I guess Polo, like I said, he's got that deal like to make by August. Yeah. So I think he can he can make his decision. He can do whatever he wants, and he can shop around until August when I think. He then becomes locked into that McLaren contract and can't back out of it. But here's the thing, too. The IndyCar season ends after F1 returns from holiday break. Like, that, that doesn't matter. I mean, it doesn't matter. They're like, why would you bring, hey, Nick, we're going to bring you in and we're going to, for three more races. Instead you of saying, tell him that. You, know, you don't tell him that, but like, I'm so, I don't think things stay secret. Well, you can say, like, Danny, come in here, evaluate the car for three for three races for us, and then we're going to put Alex Pillow in it and see if he's legit enough to race. I think that's a possibility, too. We'll find out. All right, two more questions here. Rob, first one, 
Uh, Atlanta has matured into a legit super speedway. Do you upshift or downshift? Oh, I upshift this. I think if you monitored my Twitter or Threads accounts this week, weekend, uh, you probably know how I feel about New Atlanta and where it is. I Again, I was open-minded to it at, at first. I did think that the, there were a couple of races there that were duds, but this, the, I mean, the more this track ages, the more this track wears, and maybe... Maybe running night races here are the key. But the more this track wears and gets gets character, and the bumps start to come in, you know, they start to have to patch it a little bit more. And the more handling matters, the more fun this becomes. I mean, that was arguably one of the more fun races I think I've watched this season. I mean, I've, there's been some really fun ones. There's been some really, really good ones. But that one, I mean, that what, what was that? Like three, four races in a row where I'm basically on the edge of my seat the whole time? I can't wait to see the TV ratings. Yeah, I mean, it it was great. I mean, I don't know how great they'll be being with the race. The race was on USA, but well, comparatively, you know. how it was last year. Well, know, yeah, to last year. Um, but I I thought it was great. You know, I, look, man, I love watching handling matters. I love watching. You know that I, I like watch. I prefer it be two hundred mile an hour, but if it's a hundred eighty mile an hour chess match, that's fine too. I like that. Again, it reminded me of that pre-repaved Daytona and Talladega before their surfaces became like glass. And that was fun. That was good. You know, yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where, yeah, they're running single file, but you can tell they're racing and not riding. Right. And that's, that's kind of what was nice about it. Like, you could, you could just tell, oh, hey, no, this, they're not running single file because, they're just trying to get to the end of the race. They're running single file because their cars can't, their cars handle like garbage <laughs> and they're just doing what they can to hang on. And that, I like that. I like that. I, I want, I, I, I love that. The other thing that I like about this was that we got a super speedway style race in the first couple weeks of July at night. So as much as I want Daytona to come back to the July 4th weekend, Apparently that'll never happen. Nope. I want to say thank you, NASCAR, for throwing me a bone and giving me a summertime night race on a super speedway again because I loved it. I think the Sunday night one was fine. Again, not upset that the race ended early because, again, I had to get up early anyway now because with, with my new job, I got to get up early anyway. Absolutely no notes from this weekend. Atlanta, I mean, it... Stamp of approval in my book. You know, funny, I just want to say one thing about the, the start times. You know, how to get to bed and all the fun stuff. I love the people who complain like that, like, do you watch Sunday Night Football? And if their answer is yes, I'm like, shut up then. Exactly. Because <laughs> race starts Sunday Night Football and I go to bed after Sunday Night Football is over. Or by the third quarter, usually. Yeah. Um, I, I upshift as well. I think it was very cool to see, like, you mentioned it, where... Yeah, they might be single file, but they're still racing. They're still attempting to get to get around. And, and I feel like at Atlanta, it's also easier to break the single file because you might have someone who goes with you is more willing to go with you compared to a Daytona or Talladega, which is very interesting. You wouldn't think it'd be that way. You think it'd be, you think it'd be like, oh, we got to say single file quicker, but it's it's not. Um, I also want to say NASCAR needs to find – this is what NASCAR needs to do for now on. All right? Spin a ball up in race control. They pull a ball. Lap 67. Take all, take one through 66 out. Spin the ball again. Or make, maybe you take one through 
87 out. All right. Spin the ball again. Lap 121. Those are when you're ending the stage. They didn't know when the rain was coming, man. It, they were all over each other. I'm like, we, we every lap, I, I'm sitting there in the media center watching, watching the race, and I'm like, every lap I'm seeing three wrecks that don't materialize. I know. I know. And, 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 and it was all because they're like, rain's coming, rain's coming, rain's coming, rain's coming, rain's coming. And like the funny thing is, like the rain arrived and then just didn't rain. And then it, and then it finally arrived. And it was like, again, you're, you're, you have people out there, like, running on fumes. Michael McDowell, right? If Bryce goes back green, he's got a pit. So, um, yeah, great, great racing. Um, and, I, and I think it was, and I think, yeah, the night helped. Uh, the track is aging uh, already after only two years and four races, four race weekends. That's fantastic. So I, I Atlanta has delivered uh, from a racing product standpoint. Both races were were awesome. I thought the races in the spring were great too. You know, I, I was there in the spring and I'm like, this is great. This this is this is good stuff. It is, it is matured and uh, whatever the um, asphalt compound and um, mixture lane process, it's worked. It has 100% worked, uh, and, I, and I enjoy the, the races there. I can't wait till the next one. The thing that I, I, really, uh, I really liked about, about this race and, and, and Atlanta and just everything in general was the fact that you didn't hear a lot of drivers criticizing no, the track. No. Yeah. There were, they were not very vocal about the track. It seemed like a lot of the drivers were like, huh. Okay, okay. I see you, Marcus Smith. I see. You. I'm familiar with your game now. I, I'm. I'm sorry, Marcus Smith. I was unfamiliar with your game. I apologize. You know, that's kind of the vibe that I was getting yeah. from drivers. Were like the the drivers who criticized it were like, oh, no, no it wasn't bad. It was okay. They like there there wasn't any any driver that stood out that was like blaming this. That I hate this. Still, you know, this is awful. You know, everybody really didn't have much to say yeah there was it, it they either didn't or they didn't say anything negative so yeah i liked that i think that's a good sign in and of itself all right rob we've hit the hour 30 mark here last question let's uh try to make this one quick if we can do you upshift or downshift that supercars made the right decision to address the parity issues between ford and chevrolet well Obviously, I think, like, I, I mentioned this earlier in the show, that Cam Waters won the first race in a Ford. And the next time we see a Ford win is the last race of this weekend with Anton De Pasquale. That's two races out of 17 that Supercars has won. It has run, and only two of those races have been won by a Ford. That's a bit crazy. That's a bit insane. Statistically speaking, that is a bit crazy. I mean, and that that doesn't really bode well for your product, especially when the supercar's product has been built on this Ford versus Holden battle rivalry for so long, and now the moment that it's now a Ford versus Chevrolet battle, it's not even really much of a battle. <laughs> it's just Chevrolet wiping the floor with everybody. Um, 
So I, I, I think I think what I liked too was the fact that these weren't drastic changes. You know, they were more minor. I mean, I'm sure the the people with CAD information probably would think or like, oh no, they were big changes. But like from the fans' perspective, from the drivers' perspective, all it really did was just make the Fords more competitive. And we saw that. They, we saw that in qualifying. We saw that in the race. And it's, again, it, it didn't make them OP. And it didn't, like, what I liked, too, was that they didn't nerf the Chevrolets. They let the Chevrolets stay the way they were. But they, they, they just allowed Ford to go in and basically correct a couple of these things. Like, give them a waiver in the rule book for the sake of the sport. You know, it's it's... It's not it, – it, it's just for the sake of the sport because the last – again, the last thing you want to do is in a two-horse race have one horse win by, you know, three, four, five furloughs. Like that's the last – that's the last thing you want. It's not very interesting for literally anybody. Um, so I, I do think they made the right decision, and, and I'm glad that they did it. Um, and I'm curious to see, you know, if that means more Fords in victory lane um maybe what this means down the road for the for the points battle because you know if if the fords are able to now spoil some of the parties of the chevrolets maybe this little three four driver uh battle at the front is gonna maybe get get a little tighter you know that might it's always good so again i i like i said i like the fact that they didn't nerf the chevrolets i think that's the most important thing um, so I, 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 for that reason as well, I upshift. Boy, I'm kind of torn on this one. Um, but I'm going to throw it in a neutral cause I feel like you can go either way, right? I go back to 2018 where Chevrolet won the Daytona 500 with Austin Dillon and didn't win again until August with Chase Elliott. And that was like 17 or 18 races in between. Um, so about the same amount of time it's taken for it to go back to victory lane in supercars. Yeah, about that. Um, and now, but NASCAR didn't give them any advantage. They didn't change anything. Um, you know, each year I think NASCAR kind of goes to teams like Ford this year. They felt like they had a disadvantage, so they were able to change a few things on the car, the design of their car, to bridge the gap. Clearly, they still got some work to do because I think they're struggling in some places still. Um, but you're still addressing it at the end of the year. I know NASCAR back in the nineties kind of helped Ford and Pontiac when Chevrolet was wiping the floor with that brand new Monte Carlo. Um, that was kind of the start of a, of a new era war in, 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 in NASCAR in the mid nineties. Um, I, I don't know. I kind of, I, I understand why they did it, but at the end, I also want to say like, find a way to make it better. And then at the end of the year, we'll address it. I feel like I'm torn between the two, and I really, I really don't know where to stand on that because I understand. I know you've got two horses. It's different, right? Instead of three, and I, I don't know. I, I just, it's I don't. It's more understand. obvious that there's it's parity more. issue when there's only two manufacturers. It, it is. So um, I'm very torn. So I, I guess I got to throw it in a neutral, and I hate to, but I got to throw it in a neutral there. Uh, Rob, weekend wrap up. Take us away. All right. I mean, that's fine. That's fair. All right. Let's take a look at uh, the weekend wrap up talking about uh, the races that happened over the week and their winners. The Formula One British Grand Prix at Silverstone was won by Max Verstappen. 
as we all know. But hey, Lando Norris finished second. Woo! And that's what's important. That is and what hey, Oscar Piastri, fourth. Uh, Oscar Piastri was fourth. Uh, that's and and Lewis was Lewis was third. So hey, two Brits on the podium's not bad. I mean, they're not hey, on the top steps of the podium, but Lewis Hamilton was beat by a by another Brit in a McLaren. You know, we'll, never we'll happened. Win. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Oh, you're good. I, I mean, I think it's been a while since another Brit, fin- aside from like a a, a a crash, like, and I don't know if he's ever crashed there. So I I don't I don't know my British Grand Prix Grand Prix history very well. But like, when was the last time another Brit beat Lewis in in the British Grand Prix? That's pretty. I, I it literally could have been like two or three years ago. I don't know, but like I, I, I <laughs> I'm not sure off the top of my head either. But yeah. But yeah, hey, uh, good, good for Lando. I know I, I, a lot of people were wondering if the first lap crowd noise was real or not. I think it was real. I oh, mean, you gotta be kidding me. One hundred. I believe it was real. Yeah. I mean, it's that. That sounds about about right for a crowd. Look, I've been in the crowd when Tony Kanaan takes the lead in Indianapolis. I don't know, Josh. You we probably never been in the crowd when Dale Jr. takes the lead at Talladega. Probably not. Uh, it's on par. Exactly, but yeah, uh, I mean it's it's close. So let let's let's not immediately call it fake. Yeah, let's give fans credit where credit's due. They could get really excited when when popular drivers take the lead. Yeah. Uh, in Formula Two, they held their Silverstone weekend this week. Round one was won by Frederick Vesti, while race two was won by Victor Martins. Uh, in Formula Three, race one was won by Franco Calapinto, and then race number two was. Won by Oliver Gauthier. And then, uh, I think Goth. I haven't watched a lot of F3 this season. I'm sorry, I, I need to, but I can't, I can't get, I can't do the hours that I used to. I can't do it like I used to, man. Um, in the Mark Arkmanard series at Mid-Ohio, Tyler Ankrum scored a victory there for Hattari Racing Enterprises. That was pretty cool for them. Uh, Supercars was in Townsville for the uh, Townsville 500 this weekend. Beautiful uh, Townsville, Reed, Reed Park Street Circuit, they call it. Race number one was won by Will Brown, uh, Erebus. He extended his championship lead, while race number two was won by Anton De Pasquale, which was the first f- win by a Ford since the first race of the season. Uh, the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Series was in, con- in, can- in Canada for the Canadian Tire Motorsports Park. Uh, in GTP, Colin Brown and Tom Blomquist won in for Meyer Shank Racing. You know what's funny is... Both of those guys, mostly Tom Blomquist, but apparently also Colin Brown, are are rumored to move to Meyer Shank's IndyCar program next year and swap with either Elio or Pagano, and they haven't decided who, which is crazy. But yeah, anyway, they they won this weekend at Canadian Tire, so good for them. Colin Brown was was driving when they crossed the finish line. Uh, no LMP2, so in LMP3, the dentist category, Riley Motorsports of Felipe Fraga and Gar Robinson were the victors there. In GTD Pro, we had Corvette Racing of Antonio Garcia and Jordan Taylor winning. And in GTD, it was Paul Miller Racing of Brian Sellers and Madison Snow. In the NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series at Mid-Ohio, Corey Heim went to victory lane and said it was Heim time, which I am still trying to figure out if it's cringy or clever. I haven't decided yet. Uh, little column, in the ex- little column B. Little column A, little column B. That's fair. 
Uh, and then the Xfinity Series at Atlanta, we talked a little bit about this. John Hunter Nemechek hung on and won uh, the Xfinity race at Atlanta. And then the Cup Series was also at Atlanta for the Quaker State 400. William Byron, young Willie B, was the victor there after a rainout shortened the last stage of the race. And that was apparently the 2,000th win on Goodyear tires, which means absolutely nothing because Goodyear has been in literally unopposed since 1997 and for years before then, too. What is it? Well, it, it's a cool little fact. The, 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 do you know who won the 1,000th win for uh, Goodyear? 24, Jeff Gordon, right? Yeah, yeah. That's pretty, it's pretty wild. Well, yes, I'll give you that. That That is actually pretty cool. A uh, little stat right there, but, you know, I mean, might as well just, I mean, you could you could give a lot of these awards out to those spec parts, basically. Well, how many races? Maybe, maybe oh, but. Hold on a second. Let, let's not downgrade this. I thought it was a really cool stat because let's, I'm going to go to. How many races have been won with Raybestos brakes? I, I don't know, but. Most of them. You know, how many cup races have been run through 2022? What are we on now? Do you know how many races have been run as of? I, 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 I don't know right off the top yeah. of my head. What are we? What race are we on? Seven hundred and fourteen. Okay. So seven hundred and fourteen races were have been run on non Hoosier uh, non Goodyear tires. So Hoosier before that, uh, before okay, they. I guess that's court. more impressive. Yeah, I mean it's pretty impressive that we've got to this point where it seems like you know Formula One can't keep a dancing partner for more than a decade. That's true. I was just I just wondered when are we going to start congratulating Sonoko for their two thousandth win with Sonoko Race Fuel surpassing Unical? Like when is that coming? Uh, if we're yeah. celebrating this, that's got to be that's got to be on the horizon, right? You were being harsh to this. Dang. <laughs> I'm sorry. Dang. I don't mean to be harsh to it. I love Goodyear. I actually love Goodyear. I say I'll tell you this. I had a flat tire. Guess what kind of get? No, 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 no. Listen, listen. I had a flat tire this week, and guess and and now I got I got three good years on, and I got one Firestone. And which which tire do you think went flat? Firestone. Exactly. So I got nothing wrong with Goodyear tires. I just I'm really more so on NASCAR celebrating a stat that's really not impressive when you yeah, look at it comparatively. There, was a, there were Goodyear representatives there with a trophy, with like a special trophy to, to commemorate it, and they gave it to William as a... I mean, okay, that, that's kind of cool. All right, I'll give it back to you. All right, I'll stay in performance. I'm going with Brad Keselowski because I believe... I don't believe in an alternate universe. J.J. Yaley won on Sunday. I do believe in an alternate <laughs> universe. Brad Keselowski is the winner. Uh, he drove a heck of a race. I, I I think if this race went on a little bit longer, if it definitely restarted, I think he was going to be a contender for the win. Um, a lot of people called, "Hey, the best car did not win today." You're right. The best car pitted. The best car pitted and 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 gambled. You know, and the gamble lost, paid off, or, or it didn't pay off. The gamble for the 24 paid off. Right? That's racing. Sometimes the best car doesn't win. I don't know if Brad was the best car, but I think he was definitely better than the 24. Um, so, uh, but, but Brad Kozlowski, man, the win is coming. Ral RFK has been running fantastic this year, especially compared to last year and 2021. So I, I, I'm looking forward to seeing Brad in victory lane again before the season is out. Rob, who's your outstanding performance? 
Uh, gotta give mine to Lando Norris, man. I gotta say, not only was the McLaren a lot quicker than I think anybody pegged it for, but Lando qualified well and ran well, and I think what really solidified him getting the outstanding performance for me is because there was a couple other drivers I thought about giving it to. But Lando hung on to second on hard tires. Yes, that was good. Which is truthfully insane when you consider the fact that I think Lewis was on softs. He was. He was on softs. So, Lando not only held off, and Lando not only beat Verstappen in the turn one uh, on, the, on the start, but then was able to hang on to P2 and hold off Lewis Hamilton, the seven-time F1 driver, on arguably better tires. And still hang hung on to second. If that's not worthy of an outstanding performance, I, I don't know what is, man. That was just straight up impressive. I wouldn't have been able to do that. I don't know how many other drivers would have been able to do that. Right. So, right. Lando, Lando's getting mine, hands down. Okay. All right. And I, well. I like I like that you uh, are about to talk about this in your rollers featured season, Josh, because it makes me laugh. Because this is gonna be crazy, but. You say you're you're dialing back the clock. You say the the word Truman administration. It makes me laugh because uh in in Billy uh Billy Joel's We Didn't Start the Fire, he starts with Harry Truman Doris Day, right? That's yeah. one of the And it's funny that you say that because Fallout Boy actually released a very mixed review mixed reviewed. It's very controversial. Like some people like it, some people don't. Some people, you either love it or you absolutely hate it. But they re- released like an update to that song, and it dropped like this past week. And so it's really funny that that's how you start your featured season with a, a nod to Harry Truman when Her- when when that dropped this week, and Harry Truman was like the first lyric in in that song. Yeah. So well, I, I did not. That's how my brain works. That's how my weird brain works, where I connect all of these things. So I, I apologize for that, but I, I, I had to get that in there. It just how kind of neat that was. Well, I definitely uh, did not know that was the case. I did not think you knew that. I don't I don't think you listen to Fall Out Boy. I do. I do not think you do. <laughs> I have a few good songs, but I don't out, I don't outright really listen to anybody. So I just listen to good songs that I think are that I think are good. This I'm just like, you know what? This is just one of those clever writing things that I'm like, I'm going to throw it in there. So, as Rob said, I am dialing it back to the Truman administration and uh, the 1951 IndyCar season, then known as AAA Championship Car Racing. Uh, the season began on May 30th at none other than the Indianapolis Motor Speedway and concluded on November 11th after 15 races. So, the season opening race, Indianapolis 500, uh, was won by Lee Wallard. Started second and uh, led 159 circuits. It was his only 500 victory. Uh, race two was at the Milwaukee Mile, then a dirt track, and race three was at Langhorn. Uh, both were won by Tony Bittenhausen. Race four was at Darlington Raceway. Yes, that Darlington Raceway in South My Carolina. My dad once told me that IndyCar raced at Darlington long, long time ago, and I didn't believe him. I never believed him until I looked it up myself several years later, and I still couldn't believe that he was telling the truth. And now when you bring that up, that reminded me of that, because 
I, I still can't believe it, and I know it's a fact. It is very strange. I did not... I feel like I heard this before, but it was buried in the subconscious of my memory. And and it, it, it this just like, oh, wow, I that's interesting. And they ran there four times. Uh, I, this was 1951. I think they ran 50, 51, and like 54 and 55. Um, and as I say here, it's a second trip, uh, four trips to the Lady in Black. I don't actually sure when they got the Lady in Black moniker. I forget, but I still going to call it that. At the time, Darlington was measured at... 1.25 miles in length because they measured around the the bottom uh now it's measured around the, around the top that's where the main line is um so it was a 250 mile race therefore it was 200 laps long uh walt faulkner driving for jc agajan paced the field leading 170 of 200 laps uh tony bentonhausen won the fifth race of the year at the springfield mile uh walt faulkner scored his third and final IndyCar win in the second trip to the Milwaukee Mile. Uh, DeCoin Fairgrounds hosted back-to-back races on September 1st and 3rd for races 7 and 8 of the 51 season. Uh, both, again, were won by Tony Bentonhausen. Uh, the 1951 Pikes Peak Hill Climb was the ninth race of the season. Yes, once upon a time, this was actually a legit race on the IndyCar calendar. Uh, Al Rogers was the winner. There were 38 entries, Nine did not starts, and ten drivers that failed to finish the climb. Uh, Tony Benthausen continued his dominance, winning race 10 at Syracuse, New York State Fairgrounds. Michigan State Fairgrounds in Detroit was race number 11th. Paul Russo was the winner there. It was his second and final career win. Uh, race 12 was at Centennial Park in Denver, and race 13 was at Santa Clara Fairgrounds in San Jose. Both dirt track, mild dirt tracks. And both were won by Tony Benthausen. Uh, race 14 was at Arizona State Fairgrounds in Phoenix. And the season finale, race 15, was at Bay Meadows Speedway in San Mateo, California. Uh, Johnny Parsons walked away with the winner of both those events. Now, I think it goes without saying that Tony Benthausen was a champion. You know, he won the championship this year. By 699 points over second place, zero winner, Henry Banks. And uh, 1,042 points over Walt Faulkner. So, there you go, folks. The 1951 snippet of a season. Uh, the AAA Champ Car Series. When the season started at Indianapolis Motor Speedway. I've often, I've often always wondered... I mean, they, they tried it like with, 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 with uh, IRL when it restarted, like, beginning of the they, season. They Sorry. technically ended the season? Ended, that's right, ended the season there. Yeah. I think, I'm like... What if they what if they did that again? What if they tried to begin the season at the Indianapolis 500 or end the season with the Indianapolis 500? What would that look like? You know, what would that what would that look like for IndyCar? Uh, I don't I don't know. I, I know it's not going to happen. Maybe that's a maybe that's that Rob that there you go. I that's a good let's make a schedule idea for a slow week. You got to make a schedule where the Indianapolis 500 is either the first race or the last race of the of, of the season. All right. I don't know. I can, just, I can, I can think about that. Yeah, just an idea. Just an idea. We don't have to do it. All right, uh, Rob. I think we need to go into what's in the windshield here. Uh, any final thoughts? I mean, other than the fact that no wonder Tony Bentonhausen has so many dirt track races, like midget car races, named after him. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, what you've just said kind of explains it to everybody who might not be familiar with Tony Bentonhausen. Like, this is why he is so 
legendary in that re- in in that regard. You know, you think of some of the best uh, dirt track racers of all time, and Tony Bettenhausen has to be up there as, if not the, then one of the best to ever have done it. Yep. Yep. So I agree. Uh, let's go ahead and look at what's in the windshield because there's some races happening. Uh, SRX kicks off this their fir- their 2023 season, their third straight season, but this time it'll be on ESPN this Thursday night for Thursday Night Thunder at Stafford Motor Speedway, so be sure to tune in to that if you're listening to the show when it drops on Monday. Make sure to set your DVRs right now if you haven't already because you're going to want to you you won't want to miss this. You will not want to miss this. Uh SRX is coming back. Uh and then hey, you you can't you can't set a DVR for this one cuz it's going to be on Peacock, but IndyCar is going to Exhibition Place in Toronto for the Honda Indy Toronto this Sunday. Uh and then the following week they'll go to the Iowa Doubleheader, but hey, that race you won't need Peacock for that. You'll be able to watch it on I think USA Maybe NBC. I don't know. Uh, I assume USA. I have no idea right now. I'll check back yeah, later. But right now, I do, what I can tell you is you need Peacock to be able to race to to be able to watch the race this weekend. And if you are a Tour de France viewer like me, you know that you have to watch to have Peacock to literally watch all of the stages this week, because for some reason they prefer to air reruns of Chicago Fire and Law and Order SVU that I've already seen instead of live Tour de France coverage on USA. I, I don't understand that, but thankfully, I guess I have Peacock, so I can watch it. Um, another thing you might have to pay for to, in order to watch is the Super Formula Series. They're going to Fuji this weekend on Sunday. Uh, that'll be on motorsport.tv. Again, you'll have to pay for that, though. That'll they, that That's premium now. Um, Formula One, however, will take a week off before they go to back-to-back races at the Hungaro Ring and Spa-Francorchamps. Then uh, Formula E races again this weekend for the Rome E Prix, the double header. Uh, that'll be this weekend, uh, both 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 days. Um, can't remember is one Friday and one Saturday, or is this a Saturday Sunday race? I probably should have looked that up before I before I said anything. Saturday, Saturday Sunday. Saturday Sunday. Great, great, perfect, wonderful. Um, and then NASCAR, they're going to go to New Hampshire with the Xfinity and the Cup Series. Are they bringing the modifieds there? Uh, it's probably, maybe. Yeah. So I, I don't know if the Modifieds are going to be there this weekend or not. It'd be cool if they are, but I have no idea. I don't want to say something if I'm I think wrong about it. Weekends there. Uh, they might have their own weekend. That's fine. Yeah, That's... I don't think they are. Let me take a look here. NASCAR routes. Scroll down to. No, nope, they, they are in New Hampshire. Yep. They are? And... Cool. Yeah. They... They are in New Hampshire, and it follows the Xfinity series. Cool, cool. So another thing you have to pay for that'll probably be on Flow Racing. <laughs> I hope you have big pocketbooks and wallets this weekend. Anyway, um, Josh, I'm gonna go ahead and 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 take us home if that's okay, because I have an I, announcement uh, regarding I, our socials. Okay, well, I just gotta say one more thing. Uh, and this, can, this kind of, this kind of leads into it. This does. What did we learn on the show tonight, Craig? The Robin Roller podcast officially is on Threads. If you haven't heard about Threads, you've probably been living under a rock because apparently it's a surpassed 100 million users in just a week. Uh, it is the new 
app from Meta, from Instagram, Facebook, uh, that is basically going to are expected to compete with Twitter. Not they 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 claim they're not going to replace Twitter. They're not trying to replace Twitter, but basically everybody who's tired of Twitter being broken. I mean, I think anyone who who says that is like that's bullcrap. Well, yeah, but uh, but anyway, we're on Threads at Robin Roller. Just spelled just as it sounds, because, you, you know, the nice thing about it was we were able to just migrate our Instagram account over. So I am posting on that, and I will probably start bringing my nightly Greg Ray posting in case you want to uh, read some posts about Greg Ray that are half true and half made up uh, fantasy. Uh, but I I do have we, – we do have a Threads account now, so – we will add that to the list of places you can follow us if you're not already following us already. Um, I'm on threads, too, if you want to follow me, at rpeters33, just like my Twitter account, r-p-e-e-t-e-r-s-3-3. Josh, you're not on threads yet, are you? I haven't set my personal one up yet, no, uh, but it will uh, – I, I, I don't even know what my Instagram handle is here. Let me um... – Your Instagram handle is jroller underscore zero one. There you go. So that, instead that, of just roller underscore zero one, you're J roller underscore zero one. Yeah, I know because I set up the account. Yeah, because you know someone already had roller on there, which is of course yeah. they did. Of course they did. Of course they did. Yeah. But anyway, you can follow us there. Or since apparently TweetDeck is working again, the whole reason I migrated to Threads in the first place was because Twitter told they told me that they were going to take away three TweetDeck uh, for free. So I was like. Well, then I'm not using Twitter if you're not going to let me use TweetDeck. But now they brought it back, apparently, because I was able to use it today at work, and I was able to use it over the weekend. Okay. Okay. Anyway, we're still on Twitter, at RobinRoller. Josh's Twitter is at Roller underscore zero one. His Instagram and future threads account will be JRoller underscore zero one. Um, we're still, like I said, we're all on that. And we're on every podcast platform that I could basically find. So I am putting us on, we are on... We're obviously on Spotify for podcasters. That's our web. Uh, then we're on we're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Music, Google Podcasts. I mean, you name it, we're on it. Even even these podcasting services I've never heard of before. <laughs> you know, I, I I don't know what Castbox is, but we're on there. If you use that, we're on there. Anyway, and then hey, Spotify listeners, right now. In your app, if you haven't noticed this already, you can answer a featured upshift downshift question right in your app. You don't have to try and figure out what social media platform is working this weekend. You could just open your app and answer the question right then and there. Isn't that pretty cool? And we'll have the Spotify featured question of the week on our Twitter and Threads account uh, when we release the new episode coming up. So thank you guys all for listening. Uh, Josh, thank you guys again for uh, letting me finish the show to announce our threads account <laughs> i know it was your lead this week but i wanted to announce the threads account i think everybody needs to know about it um, I, i'm not gonna wreck you intentionally on the last lap so don't worry about it oh thank you he's more classy than sean hignorani for josh roller my name is rob peters and this has been the racing with robin roller podcast everybody have a great week everybody enjoy whatever's going on enjoy srx Enjoy tweeting to threads and to Twitter, and we will see you guys next time on this podcast.